Chapter Four of Kabumpo in Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: The Curious Cottabus Appears. Ouch! Prince Pompadour stirred uneasily and rolled over. Ouch! He groaned again, giving his pillow a fretful thump. Ouch! This time. His eyes flew open, for his knuckles were tingling with pain. "'A rock!' gasped the prince, sitting up indignantly. "'A rock under my head! No wonder it aches! Great Gillikins, where am I?' He stared about wildly. There was not a familiar object in sight. Indeed, he was in a dim, deep forest, and from the distance came the sound of someone sawing wood." oh oh i know muttered the prince rubbing his head miserably it's that wretched scroll i've disappeared and this is the place i've disappeared too stiffly he got to his feet and started to walk in the direction of the sawing but had only gone a few steps before he gave a great cry of joy for there leaning up against a tree snoring like twenty woodcutters at work was kabumpo wake up cried pompadour pounding him with all his might wake up kabumpo we've disappeared oh have we yawned the elegant elephant opening one eye you don't say ha ho hum with a tremendous yawn he opened the other eye and began to chuckle and shake all over <laughs> we stole a march on em pompa i'd like to see the king's face when he finds us gone old pumper will be ozaying all over the palace he'll think we've disappeared by magic well didn't we asked pompadour in amazement not unless you call me magic i carried you off in the night do you suppose old Kabumpo was going to stand quietly by while they married you to a faggoty old fairy like Faliro? Not much, wheezed the elegant elephant. I have other plans for you, little one. But this is terrible, cried the prince, catching hold of a tree. Have you left my poor old father, my lovely mother, and the whole kingdom of Pumperdink to disappear? We'll have to go straight back, right straight back to Pumperdink, do you hear? Do have a little sense. Kabumpo shook himself crossly. You can't save them by going back. The thing to do is to go forward, find the proper princess and marry her. No scroll magic takes effect for seven days, anyway. How do you know? asked Pompa anxiously. Read it in a witch book answered kabumpo promptly now that gives us plenty of time to go to the emerald city and present ourselves to the lovely ruler of oz there's a proper princess for you pompa but suppose she refuses me said the prince uncertainly you're very handsome pompa my boy the elegant elephant gave the prince a playful poke with his trunk I've brought all my jewels as gifts, and the magic mirror, and doorknob as well. If she refuses you, and the worst comes to the worst, 
Kabumpo cleared his throat gravely. <clears throat> well, just leave it to me. After a bit more coaxing, and after eating the breakfast Kabumpo had thoughtfully brought along, Pompa allowed the elegant elephant to lift him on his head, and off they set at Kabumpo's best speed for the Emerald City of Oz. Neither the prince nor the elegant elephant had ever been out of Pumperdink, but Kabumpo had found an old map of Oz in the palace library. According to this map, the Emerald City lay directly to the south of their own country. "'So all we have to do is keep going south,' chuckled Kabumpo softly. Pompadour nodded, but he was trying to recall the exact words of the mysterious scroll. "'Know ye that unless ye, prince of ye ancient and honorable kingdom of Pumperdink, shall wed ye proper fairy princess in ye proper span of time, ye kingdom of Pumperdink shall disappear for ever.' and even longer from ye Gillikin country of Oz. J.G. Pompadour repeated the words solemnly, then fell a-thinking of all he had heard of Ozma of Oz, the loveliest little fairy imaginable. She wouldn't want one of her kingdom to disappear, reflected Pompadour sagely. Now, as it happened, Ozma did not even know of the existence of Pumperdink. Oz is so large and inhabited by so many strange and singular peoples that although fourteen books of history have been written about it, only half the story has been told. There are no Oz railway or steamship lines, and traveling is tedious and slow, owing to the magic nature of the land itself, its many mountains and fairy forests, so that Pumperdink, like many of the small kingdoms on the outskirts of Oz, has never been explored by Ozma. Oz itself is a huge oblong country divided into four parts, the north being the purple Gillikin country, the east the blue Munchkin country, the south the red lands of the Quadlings, and the west the pleasant yellow country of the Winkies. In the very center of Oz, as almost every boy and girl knows, is the wonderful Emerald City, and in its gorgeous green palace lives Ozma, the lovely little fairy princess, whom Kabumpo wanted Pompadour to marry. "'Do you know,' mused the prince, after they had travelled some time through the dim forest, "'I believe that gold mirror has a lot to do with all this. I believe it was put in the cake to help me find the proper princess.' "'Where would you find a more proper princess than Ozma?' puffed Kabumpo indignantly. "'Ozma is the one. Depend upon it.' "'Just the same,' said Pompa firmly. "'I'm going to try every princess we meet.' "'Do you expect to find him running wild in the woods?' snorted Kabumpo, who didn't like to be contradicted. "'You never can tell.' The Prince of Pumperdink settled back comfortably. "'Now that they were really started,' He was finding traveling extremely interesting. "'I should have done this long ago,' murmured the prince to himself. "'Every prince should go on a journey of adventure.' "'How long will it take us to reach the Emerald City?' he asked presently. 
Two days, if nothing happens, answered Kabumpo. Say, what's that? He stopped short and spread his ears till they looked like sails. The underbrush at the right was crackling from the springs of some large animal, and next minute a hoarse voice roared, I want to know the which and what, the where and how and why. A curious, luxurious old cottabus am I. I want to know the when and who, the what for and why so, sir. So please attend, there is no end to things I want to know, sir. Aha! exulted the voice triumphantly. There you are. And a great round head was thrust out, almost in Kabumpo's face. Oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Don't move. Kabumpo was too astonished to move, and the next instant the Carabus had flounced out of the bushes and settled itself directly in front of the two travelers. It was large as a pony, but shaped like a great overfed cat. Its eyes bulged unpleasantly, and the end of its tail ended in a large fan. Well, grunted Kabumpo after the strange creature had regarded them for a full minute without blinking. Well, what? it asked, beginning to fan itself sulkily. You act as if you had never seen a cannabis before. We never have, admitted Pompa, peering over Kabumpo's head and secretly wishing he had brought along his jeweled sword. "'Why haven't you?' asked the Cottabus, rolling up its eyes. "'How frightfully ignorant!' It closed its fan-tail with a snap and looked up at them disapprovingly. "'Will you kindly tell me who you are, where you are from, when you came, what you are going for, how you are going to get it, why you are going, and what you are going to do when you do get it?' "'I don't see why we should tell you all that,' grumbled Kabumpo. "'It's none of your affair.' "'Wrong!' shrieked the creature hysterically. "'It is the business of a cannabis to find out everything. "'I live on other people's affairs, and unless—' "'Here it paused, took a large handkerchief out of a pocket in its fur, "'and began to wipe its eyes.' Unless a cannabis asks fifty questions a day, it curls up in its porch rocker and d, d dies. And this is my fifth questionless day. Hmm, curl up and die, then, said Kabumpo gruffly. But the kind-hearted prince felt sorry for the foolish creature. If we answer your questions, will you answer ours? I'll try, sniffed the curious cannabis and, leaning over, it dragged a rocking-chair out of the bushes and seated itself comfortably. "'Well, then,' began Pompa, "'this is the elegant elephant, and I am a prince. We came from Pumperdink because our kingdom was threatened with disappearance unless I marry a proper princess.' "'Yes,' murmured the Cottabus, rocking violently. "'Yes, yes!' And we are going to the Emerald City to ask Princess Ozma for her hand, continued the prince. How do you know she is the one? When did this happen? Who brought the message? What are you going to do if Ozma refuses you? asked the Cottabus, leaning forward breathlessly. Are you going to stand talking to this ridiculous creature all day? grumbled Kabumpo. 
But Pompadour, perhaps because he was so young, felt flattered that even a curious old Cottabus should take such an interest in his affairs. So, beginning at the very beginning, he told the whole story of his birthday party. Yes, yes, gulped the Cottabus wildly every time the prince paused for breath. Yes, yes, fluttering its fan excitedly. When Pompadour had finished, the Cottabus leaned back, closed its eyes, and put both paws on the arms of the rocker. I never heard anything more curious in all my life, said the curious one. This will keep me amused for three days. Of course, that's what we're here for, to amuse you, said Kabumpo scornfully. Let's be going, Pompa. Perhaps the curious Cottabus can tell us something of the country ahead. Are there any princesses living round here? The prince asked eagerly. Never heard of any, said the Cottabus, opening its eyes. Can you multiply, add, divide, and subtract? Are you good at fractions, prince? Not very, admitted Pompadour, looking mystified. Then you won't make much headway, sighed the Cottabus, shaking its head solemnly. Now, don't ask me why, it added lugubriously, dragging its rocker back into the brush, and while Kabumpo and Papa stared in amazement, it wriggled away into the bushes. Come on, said Kabumpo with a contemptuous grunt, but he had only gone a few steps, when the curious Cottabus stuck its head out of an opening in the trees just ahead. When are you coming back? it asked, twitching its nose anxiously. Never, trumpeted Kabumpo, increasing his speed. Again the Cottabus disappeared, only to reappear at the first turn in the road. Did you say the doorknob hit you on the head? it asked pleadingly. Kabumpo gave a snort of anger and rushed along so fast that Pompa had to hang on for dear life. "'Guess we've left him behind this time,' spluttered the elegant elephant, after he had run almost a mile. But at that minute there was a wheeze from the underbrush, and the head of the cottabus was thrust out. Its tongue was hanging out, and it was panting with exhaustion. "'How old are you?' it gasped, rolling its eyes painfully. "'Who was your grandfather on your father's side, and was he bald?' Carumpity Bumpus, raged the elegant elephant, flouncing to the other side of the road. But why was the doorknob in the cake? gulped the Cottabus, two tears trickling off its nose. How should we know? said Pompa coldly. Then just tell me the date of your birth, wailed the Cottabus, two tears trickling off its nose. No, no, screamed Kabumpo. And this time he ran so fast that the tearful voice of the Cottabus became fainter and fainter and finally died away altogether. Provokinest creature I've ever met, grumbled the elegant elephant. And this time Papa agreed with him. Isn't it almost lunchtime? asked the prince. He was beginning to feel terribly hungry. Aren't there any villages or cities between here and the Emerald City? Papa spoke again. Don't know, wheezed Kabumpo, swinging ahead. 
Oh, there's a flag, cried Pompa suddenly. It's flying above the treetops just ahead. And so it was. A huge flapping black flag covered with hundreds of figures and signs. Hurry up, Kabumpo, urged the prince. This looks interesting. End of chapter 4